that football poop is doing. Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So, Who cares about what people think about us? Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson here. <laughs> we got, we, we, what are we talking about today? I, I, I don't know. What, what about what's on your head? It's my hair. I, sure. <laughs> That's one way of describing it. Um, we did it. It's the you Fro said, Show. Welcome into the Fro Show. You said if we raised $1,000, you would rock the Fro for an episode of the PFF NFL podcast. I did. And here it is. And we did far more than we we actually did uh, 1150. $1,150. Thanks to everybody. Here it is. It is it's my real spectacular. Hair. Feels like I could have done better. Could have done better. It's the first time in a while doing it. There's a little little meat on the bone. Hmm. We left there. I mean, I don't think people appreciate like how many you'd say 4 inches, 5 inches of extra height that's giving you? 6 maybe? Oh, yeah, I'm 7 foot 3. Right. Yeah. So I was like, doorway doesn't doorway if, doesn't cut it. Yeah, if me. anyone remembers the old Naked Gun movies, there's like a flashback scene where they're all in the '70s, and OJ Simpson has like a fro that's eight foot wide, yeah. can't get through the door. That's you coming into the studio, and we're—I mean, you've been in here for like what 20 minutes now, and I've basically only just you stopped crying. St- you haven't stopped laughing. I mean, I thought the there was a real time. chance I was going to have to do the entire podcast just looking at the camera because every time I glance up at you, I just break my arse laughing. Yeah, it's that's how we do it. It's amazing. So yeah, we got. Uh, said I'd pick my hair out, have a little fun. Yeah. You like? I, I, welcome back, by the way. Thanks. I said, yeah. you know, when I was teasing the show, not my hair. Mm. I said, Sam likes to make fun of my appearance and all that, you know. So give you, here's more fodder. Mm. Have fun. So it all, <laughs> it all happened. Uh, if you're like, if you usually listen to the podcast, that's great. We appreciate you. We love our listeners. But you need to make it to YouTube and see this. You have to. I, I don't care how you normally consume the podcast. You have to check in. You absolutely require video evidence of this oh, thing on your head. Never fear. Our friend Josh Norris has already tweeted it out. Beautiful. So uh, it's making its rounds. It's 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 making amazing. its rounds on the uh, on the interwebs already. It is incredible. So yeah, I've always had this potential. Been sitting on it for a few years, but uh, here we are. <laughs> what? I just no. I just every now and again it hits you again. It's not the kind of thing you can just you know see and let yeah. go. I wanted I, to get up my every now and again. It's just baseball cap and just kind of like perch it on it, the top, rest yeah. it on top. Yeah, could never pitch like this. It was um, it's difficult to pitch and you got to like stitch your hat into the hair. And I, I don't know how they did it in the seventies. <laughs> so but, when uh, like what's the recovery process now from this? It, like I haven't. It's it's been a while and um, I don't know what it's going to look like. You definitely got to you got to. Wet it, wet it, shower. I was trying to decide a little bit and then get it back on track. Yeah, I was trying to decide whether which is the funnier, right? This or the time 
you went you went for an ill-advised haircut to somebody that was uh, ill-prepared to deal with the it. The Katie haircut? The Katie haircut. Yeah. And you came back looking like Shirley Temple. Yeah. Honestly, they're both amongst the, the hardest I've laughed in years. <laughs> but I, I can't – I'm not sure I can separate I them. feel better about this one because I know I'm one wash away from getting back to whatever normal is in my life. That's so, true. Yeah, it's, right? it's probably easier to fix this than the, the Katie took, haircut. It took weeks to grow back the yeah. Katie haircut. That but, was a more uh, permanent catastrophe. Speaking of, I do need to see Liz, the real – my real stylist. You should send her a picture of this, like when you're booking in. Oh, I should, yeah. <laughs> Liz, what can you do with this? I need some help taming this. What can you do with this here? Uh, so, um, anyway, thanks to everybody because we, somebody, uh, uh, we somebody, said we'd have some fun. I am seven foot three. Somebody just saying. tweeted that you look like a member of the Jimi Hendrix experience. I look like a lot of things. Which is absolutely true, by the way. You know the way like all of Jimmy's band is like white? Yeah. With giant afros, that's yeah. you. You could be in Jimmy's band. Early Andre the Giant, I've gotten as well. Early Andre the Giant. Early Andre, yeah. before he tamed his hair. Can you play an instrument? Can we get you in, in the no. Jimmy experience? There's no chance. Okay. Uh, my oldest, Harry, uh, whose uh, whose hair is um, on a similar trajectory mm. as mine. Said, as is Dad, his you height, look stupid. by the way. As is his height. Yeah, yeah he's a monster. Uh, he said, Dad, you look stupid. So I mean, the he's kids, not, aren't, kids aren't like it. He's not lying. All right, well. I figured I'd get at least an honest opinion from them. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, we're going to talk some NFL yeah. at some point here. I am mean, sure. Yeah, we can give it a go. But uh, but sure. anyway, thanks to, thanks to everybody who donated. Again, it all goes to Heritage House. And um, I will uh, – Kelly and I will match that $1,150. Donate to uh, Heritage House Faith-Based Program here in Cincinnati. Giving back to men with addiction. Actually helping them fight addiction. So I'm excited about that. And uh, again, I was more than willing to uh, – Pick my hair out and have some fun, and uh, we'll talk a little NFL here. If you guys haven't listened to my solo episode, though, that was the dream, Sam. Have you listened to it yet? Have I haven't. I meant to. I, I've got it downloaded. I haven't had a chance to actually listen to it yet to see what you what a mess you made of the podcast. We had a we had a great interview with Brad Brad Spielberger. Talked to him NFL draft trades. I thought Brad did a great job there. I went team by team with optimism. I gave a, a reason for optimism yeah. for all thirty two teams, straight monologue style. Only stuttered like eight to. 100 times mm. but we made it through it's not easy being by yourself it's not i mean i thought it, i thought you overreached frankly i thought it was way think, too optimistic i think we executed and then we pivoted hard pivot to uh mid-90s jaguars yeah and we did about 10 minutes on the jags and feedback was wonderful. have you checked the uh have you checked the analytics where you can see the drop off and oh i need to check listeners? i need to see if people did that did that out there. all i all i know is the feedback was incredible youtube comments the tweets everything people people love the jags discussion so we uh yeah the uh the data doesn't necessarily back that up <laughs> yeah but that's a natural that's natural that's not below <laughs> expectation that yeah is, it is it got down to like 45 percent by the end of it that's too expectation that's too 35 expectation. in fact at the end of it when it's when we're both here, we stay up at eighty. You manage to lose almost everybody over the course of you sitting here on your own. It's completely too expectation. Now we have to make sure they all come back because they all left. Everybody left except thirty five percent hardcore well, followers. This will bring them back, Steve fans. This will bring them. Back. Wait we're till they drop the off after they see the fro. People are just going to tune in and see this, and or at least on YouTube, see it and go. So, anyway, um, we had I had a fun show without you. You had a little vacation in Kentucky. Hmm. Um, I'm which, going on vacation. Turns out it's a lot larger than you think it is. So you thought you were taking like a little one-hour trip? I just didn't. It was like a cabin in the woods in Kentucky, right? I'm literally five minutes from Kentucky, the border. So I'm like, how big can Kentucky be? I've seen it on a map. It's a small state. There's like, there's literally no, 
line you can draw through Kentucky where it felt like it was beyond the realms of like, I can drive to that in a few hours. You know what I mean? So I never even checked. And it turns out it was like four and a half hours away. So a little bit longer than I was planning on traveling, but you know, we got there. Is it bigger Camaro just eats up the miles, you know? Oh yeah. Get it out in the open road. Just you're there. Is Kentucky uh, bigger than Ireland? Probably. Yeah. Probably by a lot. Not by a lot. Well, okay. Maybe a lot. Yeah, so you, uh, well, I'm glad you're back. So I'm taking vacation next week. I'll be gone. But um, look at it, Josh Norris sending people to the to the feed here. Thank you, Josh. Um, <clears throat> I'm taking vacation next week. What are you going to do without me here? It uh, turns out it's 8,000 square miles bigger than Ireland. Yeah. Told Which 40,000 to 32,000 is quite a large percentage. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so you get, what are you going to do without me here? So we're getting Austin in on Monday. Okay. Um, Austin Gale from the Two for One podcast, PFF podcast. He will be getting promoted to the big leagues. Um, I won't make the same joke again because you already got hit with it the last time. Uh, but Austin will be in your chair on yeah, Monday. Not relatable. No. Um, and we'll see how that goes. You know, maybe, you know, maybe you'll get Wally pipped. Maybe you won't make it back. There's no way. How I mean, look, Austin replace this. Austin, oh, that's true. Well, he's got the stash. I mean, ideally, what you want to be able to do is if combine this. If you can combine Austin's stash with your fro, now you're now you're cooking up something special. Well. Unlikely. So anyway, he's going to be there Monday, uh, Thursday show TBD. Haven't, yeah. haven't got there yet. All right. Well, we could record a double here today, so we could have like an extra fro show out of nowhere. I'll just it'll be here next next Thursday, wearing the same thing. And yeah. Let me know. Let me know at the end of the show. All right, let's talk some NFL. Somebody tuned in to listen to the NFL, and again, if you're listening from an audio standpoint, I think um, at least check out the uh, the YouTube feed. If you want to see the fro, it's the fro show. We also named it biggest remaining question marks of the 2021 offseason. So we just need some more NFL to talk about here. Okay. Um, Aaron Rodgers, all the, the, the high end quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson, where he ends up. Um, do you want to talk about the news though? Eric Fisher signing with the Colts after all my, sure. all my criticisms of the Colts and not filling that left tackle need. Yeah. It, they, so they bring Eric Fisher in. It's a very interesting approach the Colts have taken to this left tackle spot all the way through the offseason um we've been talking about them essentially playing chicken with the position so first of all to like to level set the reason in particular that we've been saying that the Colts have this desperate need at left tackle is because they made this big trade for Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz whatever you think he is in terms of 2017 Carson Wentz 2019 2020 what Wentz you're going to get. Wentz is one of the most pressure-susceptible quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, his PFF grade drops 40-something points from clean pocket to pressure dropbacks on a fairly consistent basis, and it's one of the highest drops you're going to find from any quarterback. So all quarterbacks suffer when you pressure them, but Wentz suffers more than most. So for a guy that's already, you know, teetering on the brink of maybe – complete collapse a first round pick heading to philadelphia if he plays enough snaps um you desperately need to make sure this guy's environment is fantastic and a, a bad left tackle is not going to help that like we saw with baker mayfield when he had to start worrying about his left tackle every single play his play drove off a cliff as well so the colts really needed to make this statement that with anthony casanzo gone we have left tackle locked up the rest of this offensive line is good let's just nail that so like at the start of the offseason we're like honestly they should just 
throw all the money at Trent Williams. Like, just lock it up, make sure it's good, and then deal with it later. They've got the money. They can make it happen. They can then spend their first-round pick on a quitty pay or whoever they want and not have to worry about it. They didn't do that. When we were like, well, they're, they're going to be taking a left tackle somewhere in the draft, whether it's the first round, whether it's the second round, and how that dynamic plays out, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't do it in either of them. And then it's, well, you know, Russell Okung is still out there. Villanueva was for a while, but then you got him signed, um, whatever commission you got for that. And uh, It's in the mail. Yeah. So then it's like, well, okay, Okung's out there. Charles Leno gets released from the Bears. Everybody on Twitter immediately is like, well, the Colts are picking up the phone. They didn't go for Charles Leno. They didn't go for Okung. They end up signing Eric Fisher, who had a career year last year for Kansas City, but tore his Achilles in the AFC Championship game. And not only is that as late as you can basically possibly get an injury, and obviously that impacts your, your return timetable for this season, but it's one of the most devastating injuries you can get in terms of like getting back 100% right away. Like if you break a leg or you're, you tear a, a routine in, in quotation marks, knee ligament or something like you're back you're week one you're back you're okay like an achilles is not the same thing an achilles is a thing that lingers or takes a while to get back to 100 percent. so now you're like well they were talking about how they're okay with sam tevy starting at left tackle sam tevy's probably still starting at left tackle for a while and then what kind of eric fisher are you getting back once he makes it back onto the field a lot of people talking about my hair, so it's tough to concentrate. It's almost hard to believe, yeah. It is. It's hard to believe. So, um, and I did the I did the study on this this offseason. Tried to put it into wins above replacement. Um, some numbers, right? And my – I wasn't saying go get Trent Williams. I was actually saying that more as a joke because I really wanted to see Trent I Williams. I was saying it. But I mean, like him and Quentin Nelson on the same side would just be incredible. I just right? think be awesome. they had the capacity to make that happen, and it would have answered – like not only would it have answered the problem, it would have meant you could just forget about it, right? But – done and they've had money to play around with but I, I went through all of the scenarios and I said if you're just trying to maximize war wins above if you're just trying to maximize wins your three here are your options find an elite left tackle Trent Williams would have been the guy that's your best second best would have been actually find an elite left guard and move Quentin Nelson to left tackle based off our projections which is a little bit more volatile but that actually would have been good the third best option was a mid-tier free agent left tackle the, the old average creep back toward average left tackle which could have been Villanueva could have been Okung ends up being Eric Fisher so I like where they landed I, I listened to the Colts post-draft press conference as well many questions what, what are you laughing at now <laughs> you're just gonna have to accept that at some point during this show okay. multiple points I know during what the you're show, laughing, okay. I'm probably just gonna start laughing at you and it's nothing personal <laughs> it's just that you know you can't look at that every now and again and not not lose your shit um because the other thing, I thought you might have been laughing at what I thought was funny during the Chris Ballard press conference because the indie media kept asking him about left tackle, left tackle, left tackle. No, no. And he would go through, he's like, oh, we feel really good about the four players that we have returning because they have four starters back. Left tackle is the only question. And then he would always just say, Sam Tevy's played a lot of football. Yeah. That's it. He's just the same. And then he was like, in winning football. In other words, like he was the tackle on a winning team, which has nothing to do with how well Sam Tevy played. Right. I just thought that was hilarious. Um, all Chris Ballard could say at the press conference was essentially, Sam Tevy's played football. Mm. A lot of it. A lot of it, yeah. Right. We don't want him starting for us, but he's played football just in case. Um, so it felt like they were they were in the market for a move. So I, I like the Eric Fisher move. So that that brings their, their offensive line is now Eric Fisher at left tackle. Quentin Nelson, the best guard in the NFL at left guard. Ryan Kelly, good solid center. Mark Lewinsky, who has turned into a good solid right guard, and then Braden Smith, who's been one of the best right tackles in the NFL. But here's the now thing. they're back. They've crept back to a top three 
offensive line. But here's the thing, right? If they, Fisher's healthy. Yes. And they've only signed Fisher for one year. I'm assuming that they know, right? That they know he's a 17-game schedule. You get an extra week. Yeah. I'm assuming they're just saying, you maybe we miss a little bit of him in September, and Tevi plays some football for us for a few so, weeks. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think at the minimum you're saying, look, who the hell knows? I'm not a doctor, right? But I would say, look, Sam Tevi's probably playing a month of football for you, and then Eric Fisher comes in. He's the cavalry. My concern is more like what Eric Fisher are you getting after, I don't want to say rushing him back from an Achilles injury, but getting him back, you know, as soon as you can from an Achilles injury. Like Eric Fisher was coming off a career year in which his PFF grade was like 80, I think. Um, His, let's say a sort of generous baseline for him before that was like 75. So if you're talking about a guy that's a 75 caliber player who's now... 30, 31 years old, 30, 31 years old, coming off an Achilles. That doesn't feel like a recipe for great left tackle play to me. Also feels uh, feels better than Sam Tevy. <laughs> well, that <laughs> One is leg of Eric possible, yeah. Um, yes, there is a very real chance that even a hobbled old lower than his baseline Eric Fisher is an upgrade over Sam Tevy. But again, like – No offense to Sam. I mean, a little bit of offense to Sam. Like, you know, congratulations, you're an NFL player, but you're not a good one, which is... Welcome back, Sam. <laughs> but, like, again, so it's the fact that they, they went after Eric Fisher knowing all these things. Like, is, is that a more sure bet than just signing Russell Okun, who could play the whole season and probably play it at a higher level than Eric Fisher's going to get back to? I mean, Okun's had his own issues, though, from okay, an injury standpoint. Charles Leno. Charles Leno's played every single game for, like, 94 straight and most of those have been at a higher level than Eric Fisher last year aside. Did and he just signed with Washington? Yes, but he was available at the he time that they signed Eric Fisher. Uh, there's more upside with Fisher. He's, he has been a better player. Right, but he's also coming Sam, off an Achilles injury. Sam Tevy's career grades, he's never graded above 59, and that was his rookie season on uh, 404 snaps. He's played a lot of football, 3,747 snaps per PFF premium stats, 2.0, all part of PFF Elite. Doesn't come with the afro though. God, that's a shame. What I noticed is I don't have the same equipment for the fro. <laughs> um, I used to twice in my life. I have been gifted. You're telling me this is an equipment issue now? Yeah, it could have been way better. So I define better. What is better in this there's scenario? There's just there's just more. Like it's the shape is volume. Yeah, there's more okay. volume. Um, so that's our biggest failing. The here. shape could be better. Luckily, you know the back's a little tight. Um, so. I historically, think, I would do this, you know, during like, you know, historically, <laughs> historically. I would do it like once or twice a year during the baseball season. I'd have some teammates help out, poof it up a yeah, little it's bit. Like, it's you like a team have, bonding exercise. It was, it was, yeah. it was a, te- it was, it was teamwork. So as it as it progresses, you know, and you, you know, the way like you first glance at a piece of artwork and you're like, all right, you get the surface appreciation. The longer you stare at it, you, you pick out the details and you start to you figure out the little bits that really you find interesting. details in this right. thing. So here's what my favorite thing is is developing, right? Because you're reaching that, um, you know, that stage in life that I've been through where the hair starts to retreat off your head, right? Head, the hairline heads backwards. So the fro doesn't realize that yet, but the hairline is heading underneath it, right? It is not. So it's, it's, almost looking, it's almost looking like a wig or like a helmet that you're just putting on top of the receding hairline. You know, it's, it's like not a, receding. This, you it, compare it to my old fro's. It's, the, it, <laughs> it's not right. The hair is definitely receding. I mean, if you can't see anyway, that, I it, can't really help you out. It could have, twice in my life I have been gifted 
some like really high end picks, you know, good good metal picks oh, that you would yeah, okay. pick for the, the pro. And I, I, I just gonna, don't have, I yeah. don't know where they are anymore. Haven't, again, I haven't done this in about 10 years. Yeah. So I was working with lesser equipment. I feel like it could be better. Or this could be an annual thing. We'll do it. I mean, I think it should definitely I be mean, an annual thing. And PFF's in the comments over here saying, you know, trying to get people to say, let's do this forever. Yeah. I don't think that'll fly. I mean, Neil said it's the greatest haircut you've ever had. Well, I don't, I don't trust Neil's judgment on everything. I No, but I mean... You gotta you gotta understand where your baseline is for haircuts. I mean, you voluntarily rock. Neil's the, also the, the guy curl. that says, "Look, an average product executed well is fine." Yeah. So he doesn't he doesn't care about excellence. He uh-huh. just cares about the execution. He thinks this is probably executed well. I mean, hmm. now Neil appreciates hmm. excellence, and this is excellent, right? It, it certainly is. It's it something is. I mean, it, it might not be excellent in terms of like. Yeah, I've gone it all, guys. Bob Ross, Andre the Giant. I got it. Bob I got Ross it. isn't a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Paint a picture here in the wilderness for you. Yeah, on the on the window. So I did this on a road trip one time back in <laughs> uh, back in the Pioneer League, Sam. How did you fit in a car with that? We're in a bus. How did you fit in a bus with that? Bus has higher ceilings, so it was before a bus trip. But you're seven foot three now. True. And back um, then, when you had some bounce and you weren't receding with the hairline, it'd probably be seven foot six. I don't know, man. I picked it out for the for the bus trip, whatever. We got to wherever we were, and we get to the hotel, and my hair got caught on the sprinkler <laughs> at the hotel. So I didn't notice the sprinkler. The fro got caught in the sprinkler, and it was so the, every now and again ripped out. Every now and again, I get like a brief um, glimpse into what life must be like as you, and it never happens more than when you go to a hotel and. I don't know what the percentage is, but like there's a good chunk of hotels where the shower, like the head, is at like my shoulder height. Yeah, right. right? And like, look, I'm 5'11. Who designed this thing? So if it's at my shoulder height, it's like belly height for you. Like, this is not helping anything. And if you're rocking a fro at the time, like, how am I even, what are, like, you gotta, you gotta be like doubled over to get the fro under the shower attachment. That's just not helpful. Yeah. So it's I, not like, always a fro, by the way, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's. But I'm sure you must have. Hotels given, aren't great. Apparently, you've had a fro during some fairly extensive periods of your life. You must have encountered a shower attachment during that time. Oh yeah, I've stayed. I've stayed in some bad hotels. Right, which which just wouldn't have wouldn't yeah. have gone near the fro. Like belly button height, it's not good. Yeah, not good. Um, hold on, I need to tweet this out again. Sam just won't stop laughing at me. Yeah, yeah. You see, the great thing about this is that I've now lost enough hair that I can't like be held I, there's no reciprocation i can do well, there's nothing i can jealous. achieve to, to create that people think you're jealous over here you've never caught your hair in a sprinkler so be feel blessed i have never had to do no with that's that. true yeah. i have had glorious fl- f- flow though back in the day yeah you do have some i can't do i could never do fro because it was straight you but... could bring that back like uh travolta style in uh what was the movie wasn't he like bald with the like the ponytail bald with the ponytail yeah somewhere I anyway you could you could do that at some point bring a little fake ponytail back or something look if i could fake this you could fake it yeah um what else we want to talk about here nfl stories we we're going to aaron rogers aaron rogers right yeah i was trying to share this out again this is bad podcasting but well look good. i mean anytime you're podcasting with that thing in your head you're gonna to have to accept a degree of bad podcasting but this is why i'm saying look if you're not if you haven't gone to get video evidence of this, if you're just listening to the podcast, again, appreciate you. Stay here. Don't you know unsubscribe or anything. 
but God, do yourself a favor and, and go and find this. It's amazing. I want you to go listen to my show too. I would rate my monologue. I, would I mean, I, I'm trying to get my own show here, a little breakaway. Huh. PFF Steve NFL podcast. What have you been holding me down all these years? I mean, the data doesn't say that. The data, I, I saw the collapse in the graph the second you got I didn't left do it. your own I should devices. have had Brad on at the end because then he'd be the he'd be the collapse anyway let's get um let's talk let's talk Rodgers and where he ends up landing because this hasn't been discussed enough I also wanted to talk NFC West I just think that is going to be a great division you want to talk about the NFC West okay like there's a million awesome storylines here you've got Trey Lance going to the Niners you've got Stafford being matched uh matched up with John McVay you have Kyler Murray in year three with Cliff Kingsbury, pivotal year for both. And Russell Wilson, is he going to, you know, feel loved? Is Russell Wilson going to be looking for a trade well, that, at the end of the season? I think this whole division is the, is the best story in football, this best division story in football. I don't know where that is, but the Russell Wilson stuff seems to have quietened down, right? It was like Russell Wilson makes his big public statement. The Seahawks immediately do something about it in terms of trading for Gabe Jackson. And now it's, all right, there we go, like, fixed. Like, this is why we were, that was our point at the time, right? It's that this seems fairly easy to piece back together. Yeah. Russell Wilson has obviously reached the point where he comes out and makes a declarative, um, like a public complaint. Look, I'm fed up with this crap. However you thought this was going behind the scenes, I'm done with it. I, I need help. And they, they, maybe they disagreed, but whatever, they, they went, okay, fine, we heard you, let's, let's start mending this bridge let's start healing wounds and you trade for Gabe Jackson you extend him you rework his contract whatever um you've, you've made a public move right we've addressed the offensive you line we hear that, you Russ that is what resolved things a hundred percent Gabe Jackson yes they 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 gave up a fifth round well look like what is for there Gabe Jackson and Russ is like okay thanks guys what yeah because they they made a big move big-ish move the big move in turn was like taking on his contract not the fifth round pick right because the Raiders, remember, were basically cutting this guy. And sure. Seattle traded for him. But they traded for a, a, a sizable contract and, and reworked it. Like, they, that was a public move to assuage public concerns. And remember, this is a team that basically Bottom five. It was never – the point was never – and I don't even think Russ wants this. The point is not like, I need the Indianapolis offensive line in front of me. I need the best offensive line in the NFL, and it's time to make that happen. Right? The point was simply, all right – whether or not you've um, done this consciously or not, you have not thrown a ton of resources financially at the offensive line, and Russ is unhappy. And he even admitted in like the, the statement that he made. You on, photoshopped this already? I didn't. Rick did. I just oh, Rick it. sent that in. Oh, um, the the like the the statements that he made to the Dan Patrick show. Even in that, he was like, "And look, some of it's on me. I've got to be better." And blah blah blah. Right. So it's not like he was saying, "Look." The offensive line sucks. It needs to get better so I can be great, right? It was like everything needs to get better, me as well, but I'm tired of getting hit this much. So they didn't need to make like giant wholesale changes. They just needed to show publicly because he showed publicly that they heard him and that they were willing to address it. And my point was like they've ranked between 26th and 32nd in terms of uh, – dollars spent on the offensive line throughout the entirety of his career so you right? thought the money yes solved that. so i think i don't even think you don't need to go from 26 to to six you don't need to jump into the top 10 you just need to get put that in the middle somewhere right just show him that okay 
we are willing to at least spend the league average amount on the offensive line. And if you're still getting buried by pressure, maybe you should look at the way you're playing, Russ. I, I think that's all they did. I'm not sure if they want me to read this, but um, Sweat Taylor's a new, new uh, sponsor for the podcast. Huh. If you look like me, yeah, you might want some Sweat Taylor, the newest sponsor of the PFF NFL podcast. A premium menswear brand that is defining a new kind of casual from jackets and pants to joggers and hoodies, Sweat Taylor's designs are made to seamlessly fit into your life. Moving from runway to office, office to drinks, and drinks to wherever the night takes you. Specializing in athleisure wear for men, pieces are designed with comfort and versatility in mind for every day. Wore this for 22 hours on the PFF NFL Draft Show the entire weekend. It's extremely comfortable, and it's great. And you get 25% off using the promo code PFF-SWEAT. That's PFF-SWET for 25% off your order at SweatTaylor.com. S-W-E-T-Taylor.com. Is that the uh, the outfit of choice for a man with that haircut? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Sweat Taylor with a uh, athleisure wear is what you wear with, with a the monster fro. fro. Okay, I would want to tighten this up a little bit though. I'd like you know tidy up the fro, throw on the sweat Taylor and uh, hit the town. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. The rust thing is hilarious. Um, but I was just—it's interesting it how quickly kinda, that's gone away. It just felt, it just felt half-hearted. You know, like when Russ is like, guys, I. <laughs> I need some I need some help guys. It just feels like a little bit like that. But that's like this is whereas whereas Aaron Rodgers is like, "All right, I'm out." Yeah. And you believe it. But that's the difference between Russ and Aaron Rodgers. Like Russell Wilson is the most mild-mannered, meek. You know, it's like you when you hear the when you watch the like behind the scenes um what do they call that? The mic'd up clips, you know, the the sound effects from the sidelines, right? And like, oh, he really is that corny in real life. Like when he's geeing up people on the sideline for the game, it's like Wow, this is just this is like, you know, when you get a you know movie or a or a song or something and it's edited for radio and it's cut out like all of the that's offensive rough. stuff and it's just like G-rated now. Yeah, that's Russ twenty four seven. So when Russ comes out and is like, "Hey guys, I I don't want to I don't want to be a bother, but I'm I'm starting to get a little bit upset about getting hit, and you know it's partly on me as well." That to him is like. It's like, you know, throwing his team under the bus and hurling abuse at them for anybody else. That, like, that's the most public declaration you're ever going to get for Russ. Whereas Rodgers, you know, is a lot more cantankerous by nature. And you're just going to be like, no, nah, look, I'm, I'm bouncing. I'm done. So who's, who's going to win this division? Because I can't, you know, again, I'm, I'm very excited for watching this entire division unfold. Stafford and McVay. I mean, do we really think that Stafford is that big of an upgrade over Jared Goff? That it's gonna it's gonna pay immediate dividends, and we're just gonna this offense is gonna look completely different. Um, Jared Goff hasn't played all that well the mm. last couple of years, but we have seen him play well in that scheme. So it's not so much is Stafford gonna be better than Goff? I think over say 2019 and 20. My question is, can Stafford be better than 2018 Goff? Because it's 2018 Goff is actually similar to. Stafford's peak PFF grade it's very I'll get the exact number but it's right in the same ballpark so if that's the case or or is was McVeigh going to take Stafford to, to a 90 graded quarterback is he going to be turn him into whatever this potential we we thought was over 10 years ago when he was the first overall pick in the draft that I don't think is likely to happen so there's a few things that are playing or at play with this dynamic which again I agree makes it really interesting across the board one Sean McVay's offense took the league by storm when he when he first got a gig, um, <clears throat> was unstoppable, 
and then teams worked it out very quickly. The the NFL generally worked it out very quickly, and then he had to show evolution. He had to show that he'd been able to move on the system and, and keep going to stay one step ahead of defenses so that it could thrive. Now, I think he made some changes to that defense, but it's, again, it's not, it's not like a one-time thing, right? You don't just like deploy version 2.0 and then you're done. You need 3.0 and 4.0 because defenses are keep going to keep coming. It's an arms race. You need to keep evolving so that you're one step ahead of the defense that's going to keep evolving to shut down what you're doing. So McVay has demonstrated the ability to keep going and keep evolving the system, but it needs to, he needs to show continuous development, not just like one revolution of this offense. So that is, is still in the background. Can McVay do that consistently long-term? Because that is what separates guys like Shanahan from other people that hit the ground running and then stall. You know that Stafford's just one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch or to evaluate. My general line is three or four games a week, a year. Yeah. He is out of his mind. And he looks you – know, everybody makes the Mahomes comparison. But, like, Stafford does Mahomes-type things. He does yeah. the no-look stuff. We saw it last year. Red zone, tight, tight window throws. He just has this feel about him three or four games a year, but he's never had the consistency. Jared Goff's 2018 PFF grade, 84-plus. Stafford's never been above 82. He's actually, but he's been over 80 for five times, five different times. So there's, there, there is actually, even though I'm saying Stafford's inconsistent from a, what is, you know, high end play standpoint, the overall output since 2016 has been in the green. You know, again, if you're using premium stats, PFF elite, it's in the green. It is solid. Matthew Stafford in his era is a borderline top 10 quarterback. And I would say Goff is closer to 15. You know, I mean, just as a, in, in the you know, generalities here, where you would rank them. So I think the Rams will be better. But is that move, is it significantly better? Are, are the Rams, you know, the favorite in the NFC West? Is, is this, this match made in heaven because Stafford has never had a run game and now he's got, he's got five legitimate receivers if you include Tutu Atwell, who they just drafted in the second round. Is this the best situation Stafford's ever been in? I don't know. I don't know that it is, but I can't, can't wait to see it. Yeah, probably. So <clears throat> the the first thing you've got at play is that whether Sean McVay's system can move on. The second thing is, look, there are people, there are people that defend Matthew Stafford who will say, okay, yes, he's been inconsistent. He's never realized that potential that we've seen from him. He's never had that ninety grade season that clearly he's capable of in terms of what he's able to do on any given play. On the other hand, <clears throat> he's never had that like offensive mastermind coach, right? He's usually been saddled with defensive-minded head coaches or guys that do not necessarily play in to putting that great situation around him and putting him in a scheme that maximizes his impact. And we were saying at the time of the trade, the great thing about this move is you're going to finally get that answer. Like what happens when you pair Matthew Stafford up with an offensive mastermind coach like Sean McVay? So that is another factor is can McVay's offense move on? Does McVay and that system immediately give Stafford something he's never had before, which is this, you know, a, a scheme that's going to boost him above and beyond what he's able to do all by himself. So I think those are two big things um, at work in addition to just like what does the move do? Yeah, so you, and then you're talking from a scheme style. Scheme is good plus Cooper Cup and Robert Woods two of the best in the NFL just getting open yep. which we know is the most valuable thing a receiver can do add in Van Jefferson and his speed Deshaun Jackson old man Deshaun and his speed when he's on the field and healthy and then Tutu Atwell they've got some legitimate playmakers 
the offensive line last year at this time we were worried about, but they bounced back. They were fine. I mean, that is one of the best all-around offenses in the NFL. And, you know, if, if Stafford did put together a top five season, I don't think I'd be all that surprised. I'm not expecting it, though. I'm not the, guy, I'm not the Stafford apologist who thinks he's going to the Hall of Fame because he has a ton of yards. A lot of people, a lot of people are going to look at where he ranks five or six years from now and think he's a Hall of Famer. Right. Um, but he, is, he hasn't been great throughout his career. He has been just a good, solid quarterback with, with awesome tools. So if he did have an awesome season, though, I would not be surprised. And then you have you know Arizona with Kyler Murray. It's year three. I think there's one big area where he still needs to improve. And maybe it's, it might be a scheme thing. It might be a Cliff Kingsbury thing. But this is a huge year for Kingsbury with Arizona, the air raid, and the whole deal because they've, they've left some meat on the bone, I think, too. They've gotten a little bit better incrementally, but this is the year where they really need to take that next step. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's a, it's a huge year for both of them. Um, I, like Kingsbury's offense is interesting because – it isn't what people expected it to be coming into the NFL. Like this idea of he was going to port over a college air raid offense and we were really going to see how that functioned at the NFL level. Like he's backed off a lot of those things very quickly. And even in the time it's, it, he's been in the NFL, again, like the league has changed and the league has evolved. And now we're starting to see these, you know, this pivot towards, you know, those um, – split safety looks on defense where teams are, are running those kind of Brandon Staley schemes and that's what's dominating right now as opposed to the um, Seattle sort of cover one, cover three looks with the single high safety. So things are already changing. And again, it, it's the onus is now on him to not just like get, not just figure out what he's doing on offense, but show a, an evolution to that scheme. And what's weird is that like they do a lot of really creative stuff in the run game. Like they, they yep. have some really interesting run plays, looks, uh, formations, positions, all those kinds of things. Their pass game is actually very vanilla. It doesn't do a whole lot, and it doesn't cause teams that many problems with the things that they do. And, you know, people will pull up DeAndre Hopkins, like his route tree. Like they're not asking him to do an awful lot or line up in different places, which is something that most teams do with their top receivers, right, is move them around a lot and try and generate – favorable matchups the Cardinals are not doing that with Hopkins so is that an area of this offense that needs to get better or do they just need to upgrade the the players like do they does getting a Rondell Moore and replacing Larry Fitzgerald's you know bubble screen catches with Rondell Moore someone who can actually do something devastating with them like does that immediately catapult it into a different a different stratosphere or do, does he need to capture some of that creativity in the run game and deploy it in the passing game as well i think what you described though is is kind of the air raid it, which is it's it's simple concepts it's simple passing concepts ones that the nfl has been you know stealing for years essentially um, but you just you run you run them more often and then you simplify alignments as well so i think that is where you do need to get a little bit more creative offensively so the pass game simplicity that you mentioned there is another there is another world there that um, Kingsbury needs to take a step forward. Fourth down decisions are in there as well. But you also described the run game being creative and effective, but that's also the air raid because they don't – it's not even creativity so much as it is just, you know, the box count thing. You know, the, the, the thing that our data has showed through the years, which is, you know, just, just you know, run, run against lighter boxes. And, you know, yards per attempt against a six-man box is five and a half. Yeah, and against an eight-man box, it's three point eight. I mean, it doesn't 
it's not crazy. It's, it's, it's almost a two-yard difference. It's not that crazy to just understand that, and that's what the ARA does understand and has put their running backs in a, in a good situation. Plus, they add Kyler Murray to the, to the run game, which they did last year more than ever. So I think it's a big year for them in Arizona. And then, of course, we've got the same uh, San Francisco 49ers discussion that we've been having. It's Kyle Shanahan. It's Trey Lance. And it's a, it's a tough division for him to you know step right into, even though it's the best offensive system and situation, as we've said, for a rookie quarterback. Yeah, best offensive system and situation. Um, best, I think, proven schematic coach of the group. And best, I think, probably overall roster. Like, the 49ers... They got hit harder than any team in the NFL last season by injuries. Like, they were just absolutely destroyed. And their injuries were at the most crucial positions as well. Like, they lost their number one corner, who had been a huge part of the season before that. They lost all their receivers at some point. Like, we were – everybody's mouth was watering heading into the season about the combination of these receivers and what they could do on the field. Like, they were never on the field together. They were all injured almost all the time. Uh, They lost quarterbacks. Like, they lost all of the important positions for most of the season – um, so they were just sunk. So we, you almost forget that like this was this was a team people expected to be challenging for the Super Bowl this time a year ago with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. Who you know, okay, his baseline as a passer is probably higher than what we're going to see from Trey Lance year one, but he offered none of that rushing threat. So now you're going to see, okay, what does it look like with Trey Lance in there, and what can he do year one? The 49ers, I think, are a potential juggernaut if Trey Lance can have a decent baseline of play. Someone in the comments, YouTube, not the ones uh, making fun of me and all that stuff or having oh. fun. Th- somebody did ask, who has the highest PFF passing grade at the end of the year out of those four quarterbacks? Between, the four in the, in the NFC, NFC West. West. Between Wilson, Murray, Stafford, and Trey Lance. <sighs> Wilson? I mean, yeah. I'm going to go Stafford two, Murray three. Lance four. Stafford two, Murray three. I would go the same order, except I would flip Lance and Murray. You're flipping Lance and Murray? Yes. You're saying Trey Lance is going to have a higher passing grade than Kyler Murray? Yes. All right. Let's go. Crack research team here really quick. What? I'm just going to look it up. You're going to look up the future? Well, last year, Kyler Murray's passing grade. Where where was it? Am I scrolling down? How far am I scrolling down here? <laughs> that was close to Stafford, wasn't it? There he is. 77.2. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying, Trey, for perspective, Justin Herbert last year as a rookie was 78.6. Mm-hmm. We saw Baker Mayfield be right around 80 as a rookie. Uh, where was Joe Burrow was 74.3. If you gave him a little bit more time, he's probably in that 76, 77 range. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me in year one, mm-hmm. Trey Lance's passing grade, uh, let's assume Carlo, Kyle Murray is the same because that's not, you know, let's assume he's at 77. You think Trey Lance is going to be up in that high 70s? I think Trey Lance grade? can put a passing grade in the high 70s within that offense. And I think there's a chance that Kyle Murray goes in the other direction if that offense doesn't take a step forward. If Trey Lance grades in the high 70s from a pass game perspective, more perspective, in 2019, Jimmy Garoppolo, 75.7 so if, if Trey Lance is in that 75 to 75 uh, 77 range then the Niners are a legitimate Super Bowl team again legitimate yeah. Super Bowl caliber team again I don't buy it I don't think he's going to be that good as a passer I think I think you're going to see 
I think you're going to see Trey Lance closer to Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard than you are going to see him to Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> in year one. <clears throat> in year one. Okay. I mean, everybody told me you're not drafting him for year one. If you're drafting for year one, you're going to take him back. Why, Jones, right? I don't I don't know why that was a narrative, though. I don't I don't see this, like, tremendously raw, un, incapable passing quarterback that needs time to learn and all this kind of stuff. I just see a guy that had some accuracy problems because he's attempted, like, 300 passes in his life. But he, like, in terms of actually, yeah, like... Yeah, that's still a thing. But in terms of, like... Because his of, first pass is going to be 320. <laughs> Then 321. He's okay. still in the 300s. So he as won't far as be tremendously goes. accurate, but he's going to be throwing to wide the hell open targets for most of the time, and he can read a defense. Like, this is the bigger problem. If Trey Lance's 319 passes had demonstrated, like, this incredibly shrunk down offense that didn't ask him to read anything that was, like, idiot proof, and he's still making massive mistakes left and right, okay, now I'm concerned, and I'm saying, all right, we need to sit this guy down and teach him how to play. A quarterback before we put him on the field that's not what he was showing he showed the ability to read a defense didn't make mistakes was capable of of making progressions in the right read and just wasn't tremendously accurate because he doesn't have this like bank of muscle memory where it's all built up so i'm i think that's way better than the reverse like a guy that was deadly accurate but often to linebackers jimmy garoppolo maybe but like I'm, I'm, I don't see a reason that Trey Lance is going to be a bad passing quarterback in terms I don't of what Trey he's Lance reading. Be, I don't think he's going to be a better decision maker than Garoppolo. I, he's not better than Garoppolo right now. He's not. I don't think Trey Lance. Okay, is better but he's than going Jimmy to be. He's going. Like, this is the Lamar, the Lamar Jackson thing, right? He is going to make his own life easier in the passing game oh, by agree. what he does in the running game, which is something that, that Garoppolo wouldn't do. So let's say he's close to Garoppolo as a passing quarterback in terms of he's going to throw the ball to linebackers a little bit less. He's also going to miss open receivers a little bit more. Let's say it nets out somewhere near him, right? Four or five grading points. I think you can offset that by, the, by what he does in the run game, run to, game. to make yeah. guys over the middle five yards open instead of one and a half yards open. Do you think he has a better year than RG3's rookie season? No. Okay. Just trying to see how high you are on Trey. I mean, RG3's rookie season was one of the best seasons we've ever seen. So You're, lo- you're really low on uh, Kyler Murray, huh? I just I, – I, I'm low generally on what I think that offense is probably going to do. I haven't seen – I haven't seen the evolution in that system that we've seen a little bit in McVay's system, and I'm not even particularly high on that system taking a step forward. Don't forget our friends over at DraftKings because uh, big names are headlining this weekend's UFC 262 card from Nate Diaz to Michael Chandler. There will be no shortage of action. You got any? Uh, you have any takes on the uh, fights? I mean, I think Chandler will win. Okay, there you go. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, has a heavyweight offer for this weekend's fight. With 100 to 1 odds, one fighter will be walking away with the belt. And will you be walking away with the cash? So I guess you could take one. You, you suggest Chandler. 100, 100 to 1 odds. Uh, yes, though obviously this is not financial advice. And it's not. Consult your financial Are you allowed broker. to make suggestions? What are, the, what are the official terms and conditions for, for that? Have you I'll, got them? I'll have to ask George. Terms Don't worry back. if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on a main event, main card fighter to win. Place your bet. Watch the fist fly this weekend. It's just a main card fighter. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. That's code PFF to turn $1 into $100 on select main card fighters for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
And don't forget, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. I don't know if I'd see a man with a fro like that reading terms and conditions. I am the most versatile man my, uh, in the industry. I think my favorite uh, comment that I've seen so far in the chat from somebody called Jonathan Fulton, uh, Manscaped is going to need to increase their motor sizes if they want an endorsement <laughs> from Steve. <laughs> We're going to need up to 6,000 RPM. We're going to need to hit that, you know, we're going to get it to five digigits. Can we get, we get over 10K. Can we get Manscaped back on here? <laughs> Otherwise, we're just not cutting through that. Oh, man, I got my friends texting me, making fun of me. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, yeah, the to be expected, I think. All right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers stuff? Yeah. Nate Diaz, oh, <laughs> I read what's in front of me. Mm. Um, so, Aaron Rodgers. Where's he going to end up? So where this differs from um, the Russell Wilson thing is that I think it's a lot more difficult to piece back together. Like, Russ comes up, here's my public distress flare, and Seattle answers, why, here's our public answer that we've heard you. We trade for an offensive lineman and extend him, and everything's good. Rodgers is like, no, you burned this bridge a year ago when you drafted my replacement. And was it, I think, Albert Breer on Rich Eisen's show made the point that we made last week, which is, like, just give the guy a heads up. Like, the Vikings drafted a quarterback in the third round and let Kirk Cousins know before that it might happen, right? A guy that wasn't, is not supposed to be threatening him in any way, shape, or form, just, hey, Kirk, heads up, we might take a quarterback this weekend. The Packers, like, not only did they not draft him a first-round wide receiver, which is what everybody thought they were going to do, but they actually drafted his replacement and traded up to make it happen and didn't tell him about it. Like, just... Just this basic lack of communication consistently breaks my brain in the NFL. You are doing this to a guy who, let's face it, has a history of being fairly sensitive when it comes to this kind of stuff, right? Got to manage the room. For the love the of God, yeah. just tell him it's going to happen. Don't like Even if you don't do it, there's no harm in saying, hey, Aaron, just so you don't get blindsided by this, we are looking at quarterbacks, and we really like this kid. If he's available, we might take him, right? You're still our quarterback. You're still our guy. We love you. We're trying to win a championship but together, our top option. but heads up, right? They didn't do that. They drafted his replacement, and it's like, all right, well, you're out of here next year. So Rodgers goes on the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour that we joked about, lights the league on fire, becomes MVP, and then Green Bay's like, oh, wow, this changes everything. Well, no, Aaron Rodgers is our guy for the next few years. And Rodgers is like, uh, no, like you made this call. You burned this bridge. Honestly, I don't think they changed anything. I, they 100% did. I don't think they did. They absolutely did. They went from... He was already going to be difficult to trade before 2022. They already knew they had two years of Aaron Rodgers and two years of Jordan Love sitting, minimum. This year... They knew that was going to happen. This year, they would have been looking to transition towards Jordan Love. Absolutely. Whether during the season, they would have been looking for reasons to make that switch and then Rodgers would be gone next year. Now, they have been trying to say... I mean, they wouldn't be fighting this hard for Rodgers to stay if... They thought they were going to have one more year of him. They were moving to Jordan Love anyway. They, they would be booting him out of the because building. They don't want the dead money, and they know that he's still good. Yes, they knew that he was still going to be but good. But the dead money is not that much of a killer for them now because they've already accounted for everybody, right? Like, there are, that hit is already on the roster, essentially. They're already budgeted for Aaron Rodgers. It's not like it's new money that if he disappears, they suddenly have to come up with another $30 million to squeeze under a cap. Like, they're, they're already there. So all it does is accelerate the hit and change the fact that, okay, instead of paying him that amount of money to play for you, you're paying him that amount of money to play for somebody else. But the point is, 
if they if they hadn't changed their timeline of when they wanted Rodgers to leave, they wouldn't be fighting so hard to keep him right now, sending multiple envoys consistently all the way through the season, making all these noises. They'd just be like, well, this isn't how we wanted it to go down, but okay, here it is. And they'd be trading him already. That's not the way, like they, this 100% changed their timeline of when they wanted to boot Rodgers out of the door. And Rodgers is just saying, I think they knew. well, it, it didn't I change my timeline. Years. I think I'm not having that. any of it. What changed their timeline was he was going to be their starter for 2021, and then they were going to look to move on. And now it's changed it by a year. Yeah. But you're, you're trying to say that you think Rodgers is there for three more years based off his performance last year, and they're still I, going year They to year. want to extend him. They've offered him a new contract. They, I think last year completely changed Green Bay's plan in terms of this was a quarterback we were getting concerned about whether he could still get it done at this level anymore. And we've drafted his replacement, and if the decline continues... And he, he completely proved them wrong, and they said, yes, we're, all, we're all in now. 100%. We move from Rodgers to Love, and everything's good. Rodgers comes out and has the best season of his career, plays at an MVP level, shows that he can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes over a season, and shows no signs of like declining. Now it's like, oh, well, that changes everything. Now we want that guy. Like That's the guy that we had years ago who took us to the... Super Bowl, that's the guy we've been looking for for the last few years. So if he's still there, okay, that changes everything. That's a complete reversal of what we planned going down. But it, it isn't to Rodgers because to Rodgers, you, you set fire to the bridge a year ago by drafting his replacement, and he's not going to allow you to simply reconstruct it because he had a season that you didn't see coming. He's not going back, huh? No. Not unless they fire, like, several people in the front office. And unlike other teams, I don't even know if they have the, like, organizational flexibility to do that as, as Green Bay with this, you know, fan ownership structure and the board of people that need to make decisions. Like, if this was, I don't know, who's a trigger-happy owner that could just walk in there and fire half the front office? Pick one. Jerry Jones? Yeah, but he's GM as well, so it would be tough to fire himself. Is Shad the Khan? Okay. Shad Khan could walk in there tomorrow if, you know, Trevor Lawrence is like, I'm not playing unless these three front office guys are not in this building. Shad Khan could walk in tomorrow, fire those guys, give them a pink slip and say, done. Or Tony Khan. Tony could go in too. Right. Now, report, please. Tony could book them in wrestling matches too. Absolutely. But the point is, that kind of ownership could walk in there, hand three guys their pink slips, and the whole thing's done in, in a morning, in a morning meeting around the boardroom, solve the problem, Right. Green Bay can't do that. They need to, like, convene this leadership council and, like, and half the people are on it. Like, that's just – they can't do that. So if Rodgers – if the thing that is going to get Rodgers back is dumping half the front office that he doesn't like, it's not happening. So where's he going to go? We already did a PFF NFL Daily on this. We got into our predictions and everything. But Denver, Las Vegas, and San Francisco were his targets. San Francisco's got to be out at this yeah. point because of Trey Lance. I mean, I think Denver is the most obvious one here, right? Yes. I mean, Denver I, I, Denver have to be the team trying to make this happen. And they're also the team that we've been saying their draft doesn't make that much sense if they don't get an Aaron Rodgers in terms of they have no answer at quarterback. Their quarterbacks right now are Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, who are both not good. So what is your plan if you're not bringing in an Aaron Rodgers? You can't possibly – I mean, look – Josh Allen did it, so it's possible. This idea of a year three jump where you go from not really a viable quarterback or a guy that's certainly underperforming to 
one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, does Drew Locke even beat out Teddy Bridgewater for the starting job? I mean, in terms of like play, if it's an open competition, you're honestly giving it to the better performer in camp? Probably not. In terms of the like, is there any benefit to starting Teddy Bridgewater? Probably. You know what I mean? Like, if it's an honest competition, Teddy Bridgewater probably outplays him. If it's a, which one of these guys, is there any purpose to starting? Like, there's no point in starting Teddy. Drew, Drew Locke at least has that potential that he can take a step forward. The critical difference, one of the critical differences between Locke and Josh Allen is that Allen was at least like a rushing threat who had a ton of production on the ground and could score touchdowns that way and was at least like keeping his head above water while he worked out how to be an elite passer. Drew Locke doesn't bring that. So Drew Locke right now is just dragging everybody down the passing game and offers nothing in the run game to like the, the boy it up. The similarities though. Look, nobody has Josh Allen's arm. Um, Malik Holmes. Willis in college at Liberty might. He might be the closest thing to Josh Allen's arm that we've seen. Nobody has Josh Allen's legitimate velocity and all that stuff, right? Um, so Locke doesn't have that, but he's got a good arm. Mm-hmm. He can make those big-time throws, but like Allen was missing. Has a lot of throws. those. Missing too many throws. Yeah, he's high big-time throws, but, all, it, but the, Allen's always had more plays like, ah, you're one of the few guys that could do this, right? I mean, Drew Locke doesn't have those types of plays. He does have a high percentage of big-time throws, too many turnover-worthy plays, too many just straight-up misses. So that would be the concern. Josh Allen I still look at as the anomaly, and I also look at and get Bills fans on the bad side again. We still need to see more from Josh Allen, you know, to know that is he is he there? Is he at this level? Remember last year at this time we thought Lamar Jackson is just all right, ninety plus quarterback every year. He's an MVP candidate. That's what he is, and he he tapered off. Right, he came back down to earth last year. So um, we might we could see some of that from Josh Allen. Either way, if Drew Locke has the ability to take a step forward, but man, I think I think everybody's rooting for Rogers to Denver here, if unless other than Packers fans. Packers fans, Chiefs fans, Chargers fans. There's five fan bases. That's it. Four fan bases. The three in the AFC West that aren't the Broncos plus the Packers. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of heavy rumors about um, – I don't want to get too much into the Deshaun Watson stuff other than there's pro- we assume there's going to be some sort of penalty handed down by the NFL. And would, once that gets sorted – So I was asked this on the radio today about um, – like a Brown scheduling thing. They have Justin Field, or they have the Bears and they have the Texans in weeks two and three or three and four, something like that. And it's like, they asked me essentially, what are the chances that Deshaun Watson is a starting quarterback and Justin Fields is the starting quarterback? Because that obviously dictates how interested you are in those games in terms of like rolling to the stadium, et cetera. I was trying to work out, does, so when this, when the Deshaun Watson wants out thing first surfaced, I thought that he was gone. You thought he was going to stay. Yeah. Um, does all of the stuff, all of his accusations that have come up since, does that make it more or less likely that he's still playing there? I think playing less. as opposed to is there on the roster on I think some less. form of exempt list. I think less. You think it's less likely that he's the starting? Yeah. I see. I think it might be more likely that he's still so on the roster. Flipping. I mean, <clears throat> I thought that they would, would resolve something to a point. I think this is more like, all right, get him out of there and – get everybody a fresh start like mm. just get them out of there ship them out I just the, think, the value's lower as far as tra- like the actual trade return yeah. Th- that's the problem is that it's it's they didn't want to trade him when they were going to get like the biggest haul in nfl history now they're not going to get that presumably and it also must massively complicate any prospective new teams 
desire to go and get him. Yeah. I mean, I, I think other teams, he gets the people have predicted eight game suspension, one year spent, whatever it is. But like if the Philadelphia Eagles, there's, you know, Peter King saying he's got an inkling, you know, it's not, not so much hard data, but just a feeling that he ends up in Philadelphia seems to be what a lot of people around the league are saying. There's also say the same thing we said last year. How many teams truly need a quarterback? It changes every year. Mm-hmm. It changes. But how many teams today are like, man, not that I wouldn't want Deshaun Watson, the quarterback, but man, I'm, ju- I'm just desperate for a quarterback. I mean, it's Denver, it's Washington, and, you know, Houston. <laughs> you know, who else? And then Philadelphia, maybe with Jalen Hurts. There's no, not a whole lot of people who are like, man, we're just, we, we have a terrible quarterback situation. And then the Panthers, maybe, depending on what happens with Darnold. How about Darnold and, uh, Darnold versus the Jets, week one. Yeah. They just jumped right into it. Also, um, somebody showed the the point that um, Brady right now is like 1,100 yards behind Drew Brees in terms of yardage. To break it in at his At the pace he had last year in terms of yards per game, he would break it against the Patriots. Yeah. He's going to have all of the uh, all-time records as well, obviously. Well, he's yeah, because he's he going to play to be 62 years old. He's got touchdowns. That was like Breeze was ahead of him for a while as far as the volume stats. Yeah, but Breeze could only make it as far as 41. Brady's going to make it to 51 at least. It's not even going to be a a factor. We stopped the game every time Breeze broke these records, and Brady's just going to steal all of them. That's why he said bye to him on the field at the playoffs. Like, see you, Drew. I'm going to play with your kids one last time, then I'm going to break your records next year when you're gone. Who are you texting? I'm just uh, giving the meme guy a heads up. It feels like a. Feels like he should be aware of this. What do you mean, given the of course meme guy's watching? I mean he probably watching. is, but I'm just you know He's making sure. Hard at work, memeing away. Maybe I'm just saying. Look, if anybody, there's a lot of if fodder. anybody should be alerted to your current state of Afronus. If I know, it's the meme guy. PFF NFL podcast meme guy. He, there's a chance he's already got five, and he's just weighing. I mean, I hope know, he is. Which one's I, I hope he is. I'm just making sure. Look, it never. How are you getting in contact with belt him? and braces? Right, it never never hurts to double up and make sure contingency. Steve, you have his, you have his phone number. Like, what do you? I don't worry about it. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I did have something. What did it just leaked out of my head? Oh, so um, somebody tweeted this at us that was in Burt Breer's column. I had in a terms lot of, of stuff tweeted at me. Well, I would have thought so, yeah. Um, in terms of why the Detroit Lions didn't trade down. Um, <laughs> first off, like in the in the comments was the or in in Burt Breer's article it was like the analytics say you should always trade down the analytics don't say that like and look maybe they're presented in a way that that does make it seem like that but that's not what the analytics say the analytics say that usually trading down is a good move but it's not like you should always trade down every single pick that's how you win it's like you know trade down where appropriate usually is a good strategy so his point was essentially um, the tiers of how NFL teams saw the talent in this draft. There was like uh, a tier one of the blue chip guys that we've been talking about, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, et cetera. And he right. was like, those guys were gone in the top five. Yep. They went immediately, bum, 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 blue, blue chip, tier one, out of there. Then he said tier two was a group of guys that um, included Panay Sewell, uh, consensus-wise. This is like him phoning around, um, finding out where everybody had various people ranked. And Tier 2 was included uh, Panay Sewell, included Elijah Vera Tucker for most people, 
uh, Devontae Smith, um, you know, Jalen Waddle, a few other people like that. Uh, but then it – so it cut off where the Jets essentially traded to, right? So it was like the, re- the, the reason that those two moves were made, that the Lions didn't trade down and that the, uh, the Jets traded up, is that Panay Sewell for most people was in Tier 1 or 2, like that borderline. Yeah. So the Lions didn't want to trade out because they had him in their Tier 1, a blue chipper. Sure. Don't pass on that guy. The Brown strategy, right? Never pass on a blue chip. It was. Or whatever yeah. they said. I got. A, I got a lot to unpack here. Um, lot and then the say. Jets traded up because Vera Tucker was essentially the last guy in that tier one or tier, tier two that most teams had, and they perceived the drop off from those guys to the next group as being significant. Um, and that would also tally with what the Vikings did, right? Which is trade back, even though. Christian Darasaw, a guy that we thought they were lucky as hell to have still on the board, was sitting there. They're looking at it. If if this tier system through Burt's sort of uh, amalgamation of phone calls makes sense, Darasaw is not in that tier two. And the, this, the jump, apparently, between the tier two and tier three is significant. So the Vikings are looking at this and said, all right, it's a position of need, and it's a guy we didn't necessarily expect to be here. On the other hand, we don't actually think he's as good as these guys, so let's trade back. If he's still there, great. If he isn't the difference between Darasaw and Dylan Radons or whoever the, the next tackle is in the second round is not massive, it's worth it. I, I think there's just so many things at play here. Uh, first off, the thing you said about don't pass on a blue did come from the Cleveland Browns. Yes. And the Cleveland Browns of all teams would be the most analytically inclined to trade down and, and you know stick to those axioms. The point you made, um, there are people in the analytics community that, that are going through and finding these quotes and like, why didn't they trade down? Why didn't they trade down? Why didn't they trade down? And, and calling it a big red flag. I don't think it's as clear as day um, that these are all red flags. However, the concept of don't pass on a blue still comes back to your own evaluations. And I think what the analytics community would say is essentially treat your own evaluations with a grain of salt, right? And and so that is that is kind of like the, that is the crux of the analytical argument right? It's not, it's that you need to have the humility to say, I'm not going to rank players better than, than other people. Right. Right. So once you say this guy's a blue, you're saying, I know this guy's better than the next guy. Okay. Well, let's take that one step further. What does better mean? So let's say Panay Sewell versus Rashawn Slater versus Christian Darasaw. If we say Panay Sewell's in his own league and then Slater, let's say he's in his second tier and Darasaw's in the third, third tier. There's two ways of looking at your evaluation it's how good is the player but then also how valuable is that player so even if you know that even if you're right about the Panay Sewell evaluation can you get 80 percent of the production of Panay Sewell from Christian Darasaw let's say all of your evaluations are right Panay Sewell is by far the best he's the best left tackle in this draft class no doubt then it's Rashawn Slater then it's Christian Darasaw if that's the case what does Darasaw bring to the table in relation to Panay Sewell. It might be 80% of his production. But it also, it comes down to that confidence quotient that we talked about before, right? It, the two things work against each other in terms of, look, a lot of the data says one of the edges potentially available to teams is understanding how little they're able to actually separate players. And when it's close, to take to essentially take the margin and say, all right, we think that this guy's. We think that Jamar Chase is better than Devontae Smith. On the other hand, history shows there's a pretty good chance we're wrong. 
And if we can trade back, still get one of them and pick up extra picks, that is potentially a better way of doing it, right? Because even though we think one guy is better than the other, the chances are we're not actually correct about that. So that is pulling you in one direction. But pulling in the other direction is the idea, well, at some point that has a limit, right? And we should probably recognize that Jamar Chase is better than Nico Collins. Otherwise, what the hell are we doing here, right? We might as well just throw a, board, a dart at a board and draft that way. Like, you have to have some degree of confidence in your evaluation. Otherwise, the whole thing is just a giant waste but, of time. But I'm saying... But data says that you shouldn't be too confident because because people aren't good enough at it. But I'm saying you should have confidence. You should have confidence in your evaluation. That's fine. But you should also understand the value of that, right? So hit if you... Again, the value of hitting on a wide receiver or a corner, based off our numbers, the value of hitting on those picks is the value of that is just higher, right, than other positions. So Elijah Vera Tucker is a really good example. If you hit on a guard, how much is how much is that really impacting your football team versus another position? So that's where the co- the positional value stuff is essentially what needs to be at play here. So even if you even if you're right and Elijah Vera Tucker is a top ten player at the position. Wyatt Davis, the guy the Vikings got in the third round, if he's if he's an average guard, the difference between the average guard and the elite guard is minimal year to year. And you and you and you in in Vera Tucker had to be equal, you know the equivalent of two players essentially for that to be worth it I agree. for the Jets and you know and the Vikings made a good move there I think. No, I agree. I think that's true. Because you're playing the odds. I just think that generally. So the overall point with the overall point that Burt Breer was making is that. You know, you can't just sort of say in a vacuum, teams should do X, Y, and Z. You have to look at how they viewed the board, right? And say that they thought that there was a significant uh, yeah, I know. striation I, between the, the different I'll tiers play, of player. I'll play both sides. I like, I like the player tiers. I like that idea. You should have confidence and all that stuff. But the argument against, the argument against what Breer is saying is just, have, just forget about your tiers for a minute. Forget about your tiers. And just say if you threw the tears out the window, no, you'd be I agree. okay. Like yeah, the yeah. Lions themselves would actually be if the Lions had Darasaw and Wyatt Davis in exchange for Panay Sewell, chances are that's a better play. I for agree. Them so th- as well. there's, th- that's one argument against it is that even with this idea, you're better off just picking up extra um, players because because of the strike rate everybody has. But the other thing is that even if you even independent of what you could have picked up in addition. The, there's a real tension between the between data saying that you're not actually as good as you think you are in this and thinking that you should be able to like tell the difference between how good a player is, right? Because that yeah. fundamentally every team is out there trying to achieve the same thing, which is take X hundred players and rank them in order, right? Yeah. And say this guy is better than this guy and this guy is better than that guy, who's better than the third guy, and yada yada. But the data says you're actually really bad at doing that generally right now you're you're probably better than the data says because ultimately you're everybody is able to tell everybody's able to agree on the first rounders versus the six rounders generally right um so you're at least you're there's a degree to which selection bias is already skewing you in the in one direction or other but when you're then trying to to so everybody's able to agree mostly on who the first rounders are but where it gets tricky is then saying well there's tiers of this so can you accurately tell the difference between a tier one first rounder and a tier two first rounder? And that's where it starts to get tricky, is if that's your 
your backup for doing something like this, for trading up or for not trading down. If your backup for that is, well, we saw, we thought this guy was a tier one first rounder and the next guy is only a tier two first rounder. That's where I think the data starts to say, you're actually not capable of getting that fine into the, you're getting that granular into this process. But we're with you that you're able to say they're both first rounders, but we're not with you that you're able to say this guy is definitively night and day better than this guy to the point where it's worth either sacrificing opportunity costs of an extra pick or actually throwing an extra pick in somebody else's direction to go get him. The, the other thing at play here, I keep bringing it back to like just war and wins. The other part is salary driven. And that's what Brad and um, Brad Spielberger, who was on the we talked about this on the show that you missed. And then with uh, Jason Fitzgerald, their trade chart is based more on salary as well. So Elijah Vera Tucker in their world essentially has to be worth a, a top five guard from a salary standpoint, from a value standpoint, which, which also makes it riskier. Um, as a quick aside, because I watch old, you know, old draft stuff. I was watching the 95 draft the other day. I sent you the message. I didn't realize the breaking news here on the PFF NFL podcast. The defending Super Bowl champion, San Francisco 49ers, mm -hmm. traded up from 30 to 10 in that draft to get J.J. Stokes. So imagine that. They've got John Taylor. They've got Jerry Rice. Trade up for J.J. Stokes. I would have loved this move. Are you kidding me? Steve Young coming off the Super Bowl, and you're just assuring him of having these incredible playmakers for the foreseeable future. The Niners traded up from 30 to 10. Imagine the Super Bowl. This is the Chiefs, right? A couple years ago, trading up to go get like Jerry Judy or mm. Henry Ruggs or whatever, you know, um, Justin Jefferson. Trading up to go get another incredible weapon. So the Niners make this power move. They trade next year's first rounder and a, a third and a fourth. Next year's first rounder goes to the Cleveland Browns, who turned into the Baltimore Ravens. The pick that they traded was 26 overall in 1996. And I told you who it was. Hmm. Ray Lewis. How about that? Yeah. J.J. Stokes doesn't exactly pan out. And then a year later in the third round, you get T.O. And you get T.O. as well. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the take shots at receiver because you never know. Well, it's just, again, it, but it, it backs up this idea of, look, you're just the not, risk of trading you're not good enough at yeah. this to be able to make those kind of sweeping moves you, you have too much that's too much confidence and that in was the ability. best organization in football and that right. was against their nature they had the interview with uh, Carmen Policy but it happens thing. to everybody it's it, their it happened to the 49ers it happened to the Patriots when Nikhil Harry was the guy that you know you the that I think is what the analytics is really pushing it's not that you should always trade down because that's the best move every single time it's that you should have a degree of awareness of how good you are at what what you're doing right which is not to say that you suck at it because you're able reasonably to a reasonable degree of certainty to say this guy's a first rounder, this guy's a fourth rounder, this guy's undrafted. And everybody's vaguely on the same page with that stuff. So it's not like you're way better than if I just gave you a list of players and said randomly select them, right? Yeah. I can, we can all agree that there is a purpose to scouting as opposed to just randomly drafting players from a 3,000 name list. Um, where it gets different is you're not good enough to be able to get granular, so granular at it that you should have more confidence that you know this guy is good versus everybody else. That is where you start to screw the thing up and you make moves that cost you down the line. So whether it's the 49ers trading up like half the first round to go get a guy who wasn't good and then a year later you draft the Hall of Famer in the third round, whether it's the Jets jumping up to get, get the last guy of the Tier 2 players, um, whether it's the Lions not trading down because they want the last of the Tier 1 guys. Like you just... 
the, the, all the information says that that is having too much confidence in your ability to get so granular and separate these players. So, yeah, that's, I mean, it, it's well said. I, I think um, the other place where I think teams are confident, I just want to wrap it up with this. I listen to some of those dra- uh, post-draft press conferences, still working through them here and there. I just you get like little nuggets here and there. So the Chris Ballard one, I love listening to him speak because he's pretty honest about stuff. He's, every team talks about character. Every team. <laughs> what now? Uh, it's just the, the aliens thing cracks me up. Oh, that's good, yeah. What's that guy's name? The lunatic from the Aliens show. Uh, Renner's out there. Illegal aliens? No, what is it? Oh, ancient aliens. Ancient aliens. The ancient aliens guy whose name completely escapes me. Uh, the, you know, it's you on the left and the ancient aliens guy on the right. There's a lot of there's a lot of memes out there. Yeah. I don't think we, I mean, poor meme guy is just. It's it, so I always say this. Competition now. I tweeted this out years ago, right? That's like even if you had the ancient aliens guy. Let's say you actually had cast iron proof. You know, you had the you had the Roswell body in your basement or whatever. You had categorical undeniable proof of aliens living amongst us and all this kind of stuff right if you rocked up with that haircut nobody would believe you like <laughs> you, you can't take that seriously that's you right now like, it doesn't matter what you're saying I, nobody's gonna take it seriously you can't take me seriously no look at you i'm giving I'm you some incredible nfl analysis i was gonna get into character and i haven't seen that one yet nobody's giving me a sideshow bob uh photoshop don't, you stepping don't on a rake, encourage people. Stepping on a rake or something like Sideshow Bob. Don't encourage anyone. Mike, you're in there. He's <clears> a, there's those things where you can put like the face on the, the moving gif of Sideshow Bob smacking himself in the face. We wrap the show. The Fro Show is winding down now. <laughs> it's been show. fun. Why were we looking for a title? We could have just named it the Fro Show. The Fro Show. We'll, we'll, try, we'll try that audio version. See if people listen. Um, anyway, every team feels like they've cracked the code on character it's it is like this guy loves football is it even is it even an edge anymore to draft a guy that loves football because i'm only through a few press conferences if i make it to all 32 i promise all 259 players that were drafted love football got a football guy love football it's not even an edge anymore everybody loves football Mm. but it's it, it is funny but ballard and the colts to their credit have stuck to their style and they've had good success with it so even if we gave him a lo- them a lower draft grade than whatever. But he just says, I would ra- it, it is easy to find talent. It is not easy to find talent plus character. And they, and they stay with their method of getting Colts type of players. And it's worked pretty well over these last couple of years. But Quiddy Pay is the, the latest. I think Quiddy Pay will be fine. Um, Deo uh, Odiengo, Odiengo, their second rounder out of Vanderbilt, battling injury and all that stuff. So they... Well, he was a bit of a stretch on our board because of the injury, but, you know, we'll see. It was just – I like listening to Ballard because he just sticks with this. We need players that we trust that yeah. play our style of, of ball. But also, like, they've, they've done – they've stuck with that. Almost everybody says that. They do. Right? It's like the important thing is character and identifying those – the guys that you really want. Now, I guess you can question how many of them actually do it. And versus- I might be – I'm making the same mistake, right? Because Ballard has this recent track record, right? And then I listen to Mayock talk about Alex Leatherwood, and he's saying the same stuff. That's you know, I talked yeah. to Alex on the phone, and he said, I don't care, coach. I'll play anywhere, and I love that. Yeah. You know, and um, and you'll, you'll love this, too. He was talking about Nate Hobbs, one of the corners that they drafted. We love him. Versatile, inside, outside. All I needed to see was his pro day. When he, once he ran in the four fours, I was good, or whatever he ran, four five. Once he saw that, he was good. What about that as a process, right? Like, I, I – I love this guy as a football player. I need to see the pro day. I need to see this. I need to see that. 
Yeah, I mean, so, but that's the concern is that like everybody essentially says this. So the question is like how much, um, like how much when, if everybody screws up still, how much of it is because they deviated from what they're saying? Like we really love football plus character guys, but then a Tyreek Hill comes along with a fairly horrific uh, off-field history and we go, well, yeah, but he's Tyreek Hill. Look at what he does, so screw it. And you, you draft a bunch of those guys and then the whole thing blows up in your face. And you're still preaching this idea of what you really want is character and all those kinds of things. And they're just not doing that. Or how much of it is everybody's searching for these character guys and ultimately that isn't really that important. Like if everybody's searching for the same thing, sure, character's great, but the bottom line is you want a Tyreek Hill because the guy changes every game he's a part of. So to a certain extent, character has to take a seat. That becomes your, becomes your edge sometimes if you... I, I keep coming back to diversifying the portfolio. And I think the Patriots did that well throughout the years, right? They took some shots on yeah. people that had perceived character issues, whatever you want to say about Randy Moss and Ocho Cinco and Corey Dillon or guys that just wore out their welcome in previous places. You take chances. Some work out, some don't. But the payoff, they're, again, they're uneven bets. So you pay, you know, take those chances. And if your foundation is good, you can, you can risk it. You good, man? Good mm. show? I'm outstanding. I think it was a good show. <laughs> what? Nothing. Just I gotta, you know. It fades a little bit over time. <laughs> pick it back out again. Yeah, Thanks to everybody. Yeah, Thanks to everybody who made this happen. People are still donating, by the way, over to Heritage House. Got another like five bucks while we've been on air. I just five. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, every bit helps. Giorgio Sukalos is the name of that dude with the the ancient aliens lunatic. Gotcha. Yeah, you're yeah. a little bit like him. Yeah, same guy. Hmm. Same guy. Thanks to everybody for tuning in, especially here on YouTube, or if you just uh, tuned into YouTube. Sorry about that. Oh, breaking news. Titans have signed Caleb Farley. Hmm. What a great signing. Yeah. I'm going to – I'm vowing right now. I'm going to quote tweet great signing on every one of these. Oh, God. Great move. Are you going to uh, – can you make the fro your Twitter avatar? Um, why? Why? Because it's hilarious and better than whatever you have there at the moment. I like that one. That was from our first TV show back in 2014. Right, like but it's, it's, it's had its day. Now you can, you can put the fro up there. We'll see. We'll see if I have a good... Or you could put that up there, the, the fro, your fro picture. That one. So Neil even said this one, this one wasn't enough. And I got news for you, Neil. Your, your son made it. Um, so tell Ethan. No, it's good. I think that's good. That's outstanding. But right? well, we could poof it out more. Oh, yeah? Use a little bit of the beard probably. Even bigger? Yeah, I could probably poop it out more. Okay. It's a little scragglier. You need to, we need to work on the, I mean, we both have this problem, but you need to work on the hairline. That's like an old hairline. Stop with the hairline. I'm just, look, I'm I'm just telling you. The worst thing that can happen to you is you become one of these people that refuses to acknowledge it, right? And then like five years into the the routing of the hairline, you're like, you know, you're still fighting, right? You're like, uh, who's the... The dude LeBron from, James? No, no, no. The dude from, yeah, the dude from Kingpin. Um, crap, what's his name? Bigger and McCracken, right? Yeah, Where yeah. it's just round and round and round, and then eventually, like, you're, you're getting, you're exerting yourself with the bowling, and the whole thing busts loose. I'm just, you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be Big Earn. You have to have some realism and All right, well, look yourself in the face and you realize help, what's happening. So to we'll, it. we'll take any sponsorship opportunities. If you've got the, uh, if you've got hairline help, hairline if help. If you have anything for Sam, yeah, yeah, um, or if you have anything for fro maintenance, you know, we're all ears. 
You ever Google fro maintenance? I haven't. I've you never. You just don't realize how difficult it is to. Yeah, your hair's your hair's pretty knotted when you haven't done this for eight to ten years. I, it's pretty I knotted. I would imagine it is. Yeah, it's rough. No, I've never had to. I've never had to look into that. But I, I need to up my equipment. Maybe we'll do this again. Maybe we'll make it an annual thing. Who <laughs> never know. But appreciate everybody. Appreciate everybody who donated to the uh, GoFundMe. I'm gonna cut that check to uh, Heritage House. Do I need to like prove that or anything? I know there's been some sketchy stuff out there. I don't want to. People, you do what? Ske- there are people who are like sketchy, like collecting money and stuff like that. Like keep it? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to make sure. Yeah. That can you get one of those? Uh, ever, can you get one of those that. giant comedy fake checks? Should I do that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I don't think that proves it any more than anything else. It just means you had what a if it's like a real check. check I'll, just, I'll, I'll show a real check. Oh, yeah, like we'll go to the bank and then ask, go to the bank and ask if they can make the real one eight foot wide. That's all you need. There we go. Anyway, we'll make that donation this week. Appreciate it. All right, guys. <laughs> that's it PFF NFL podcast we'll be back here uh, you'll be back here next week yeah yeah I'm taking a break you'll be trying to hem that fro back in this might take a couple days yeah it's gonna be uncomfortable in the Florida humidity <laughs> it's not good not good in humidity it's very uncomfortable uh, it's like an extra pillow you sleep on it though it's like a pillow and it's you don't need a pillow oh that's great get your, yeah get your fro and people say there's no reason to do it no I'm just thinking of the benefits Think of the benefits right now. All right. Wrap it up. We're out. Wave, Sam. See ya. See you guys next week. Bye-bye.